Hello, welcome to the Floating Blue podcast, the official podcast of the International Street and Ball Hockey Federation. My name's Ben Royal and I'm excited to be hosting the first ever series of the Floating Blue podcast, in which we'll be bringing you up to date on the biggest news stories and catching up with the biggest names in the ball hockey world. The Floating Blue podcast is an ISBHF production, hosted by myself, Ben Royal, produced by Sambrook Wilkinson and overseen by the ISBHF secretary, David Tor. All opinions shared on the Floating Blue podcast are those of the individual that shares them and not of the ISBHF. So without further ado, welcome to the Floating Blue. Hello and welcome to episode four of the ISBHF Floating Blue podcast. My name is Ben Royal and today I'm joined by USA netminding legend and founding member of the United Women's Ball Hockey Foundation, Alessandra Glister. Alessandra has been named to 10 US national teams and is a five-time ISBHF silver medalist. In addition to her work with the United Women's Ball Hockey Foundation, she's also recently been named as the Women's National Team's Director for USA Ball Hockey. Alessandra, how are you? I am doing excellent. Thank you so much for having me. Um, It's a real honor to be part of this podcast, so I appreciate you taking the time to have a chat. No, well, thank you very much for joining us. It's an honor to be able to speak to you. There's lots of very exciting topics that we're going to get to in terms of the future of a women's game. Uh, But just start off with just some pretty standard icebreakers. So it's the Olympics coming up this season. Who are you going to go for? Who's going to be? Let's go for the women's. Who's going to win gold? Well, you know, I have to kind of root for our home country there. Um, They're always representing really well. So go USA. Yeah, I guess you can't really pick anyone else. (laughs) I can be I can come from a bit more of a neutral standpoint there. And then personally for you, if you had to listen to one song before a game, what would it be? Whether it be a pump up or maybe like more getting into the zone. Yeah, that's a tough one because I feel like um, it really depends on um, the mood and and how games are going. But I'd have to say probably go-to songs or um, really kind of pump up songs like Metallica, Queen, um, Muse, definitely for sure. So I don't know. I guess that's kind of getting around your question of that one song. But I would say, you know, top three on Shuffle would be them. No, I think that's a pretty solid trio of artists to get in. It's interesting, <laughs> like some people obviously prefer like really getting pumped up and then especially it's especially interesting for netminders is you might sort of prefer like quieter, like more focused move, music. So that's quite interesting to hear. And then if you had to pick one teammate, past or present, doesn't matter when you played with them, but feel free to mention them, give some backstory as to how you met them. If you had to pick one teammate to live on a desert island with, who would it be? Ooh, that's really, really hard. I have to, I don't know if I can break the rules and, and go with any team that I've played on. So yeah, yeah. Not any necessarily team. international. Yeah, All right. Yeah, Maybe team. it's a lame answer, but I'd probably pick my husband, Jason, because he's a very good cook. I'm sure that if you're on a desert island, he'd definitely be able to like find food for us, <laughs> forage and get some meals made. So I have to go with him. He's very resourceful. No, I think that's you you're thinking about actually surviving on a desert island. Though, yeah, and I'd love, I'd, yeah, I'd love to survive. If we're gonna be there, we might as well survive. So <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. Final icebreaker. You're in net, obviously. If you had to pick two defensemen and three forwards that you played with 
throughout your ball hockey career, your ultimate line of pre- previous or present teammates, who would you go for? Wow, that's a really tough one. Um, all right, so first I'd probably definitely pick, again, my husband plays defense. And side note, we were very much arch rivals in our oh, okay. co-ed playing days um, and now happily married, so that's good. Um, At what but, point did um, that cross over from being arch rivals to... Um, it took like a while. It took, yeah, yeah, it definitely took a while. I, I would say um, we consistently won championships against his team. And then once okay. we um, got that once <laughs> and his team won, I think that I realized, oh, he's a nice guy, I guess. You know, yeah, so yeah. we, um, yeah, very good competition out there. <laughs> oh, brilliant. But yeah, yeah. So I would say um, my husband, Jason Glista, would be number one D. I'd have to go with Karen Levin. Um, so she's one of the co-founders um, for the United Women's Ball Hockey Foundation, um, which yeah. I think we'll talk about later. Um, but she's also one of the best defensemen um, on Team USA that I've ever played with. Um, but she's also super smart. So she'd be a fun person to play with. And geez, as far as forwards, I, I'm going to have to say, I don't, I don't really trust forwards at all. So I'm not going to name any forwards. <laughs> That's an easy way out of, of not offending there anyone go. in particular. There we go. You know, just got to go with your reliable D as a goalie, people that you trust. That's all I trust. I, I trust defense. Just go all out defense, play 5D all in out. front of yourself. 5D, yes, against everybody else. Yeah, that's fair enough. <laughs> so are you able to explain your earliest memories of playing sport and then ball hockey in particular? Sort of your background into, I guess, in addition to that, how you became a goalie as well because it's not always where people want to play when they're growing up yeah um definitely so I started as a soccer goalie actually um I played um ever since I was little I was a um always a soccer goalie so I kind of had the concept of um angles and you know kind of getting used to something coming at you very quickly and getting in front of it that was just it was instinct honestly um and so that transitioned um my cousins really enjoyed playing literally street hockey in the streets um yeah and so you know they'd always bring the net out and i think by default i i just gravitated towards being a net just because it was something very familiar and i mean that net is much smaller than a soccer net so i felt like i had a better chance (laughs) of um you know being a, a goalie and then um that just transitioned um we found the youth league um I was the only girl in the youth league, but that didn't really matter. We just really enjoyed playing. Um, And then from there progressed to um, a co-ed league because that's all really that, you know, we were, it was very limited as far as like what was offered, but I was pretty much one of the youngest people in our co-ed league. My dad had to drive me and all the players went out, you know, to the bar after, and I was basically getting driven to the games by my dad (laughs) because I was too, too young to drive at the time. But yeah, that kind of started it all. I think, um, like I said, the soccer and having the leg strength um, and and just this this concept of being in net and it was very comfortable. It was a very um, really fun transition to go from soccer goalie to hockey goalie. Yeah, no, that's brilliant. What were some of the team names of the earliest teams you played for? Because I think ball hockey, especially, there's always some creative, a lot of creative license within team names, or say. Yeah, definitely. So when we were kids, we were called the Swiss cheese kids. Definitely okay. remember that. Um, we had some really fun co-ed name, names. Um, so that co-ed team that I mentioned earlier um, was called the Circus. 
Um, and we just traveled, you know, around the East coast, basically, basically like a traveling circus (laughs) um, playing in all these co-ed tournaments. Um, and then we've had some really good ones for, um, the women's, um, the women's teams, but I'm not sure. I don't know if it's appropriate for podcasts, (laughs) but, um, uh, one of our, our, okay. Our team, um, our current team name is, um, happy endings. Um, we've played, you know, multiple tournaments in the, um, you know, women's bracket of the U S tournaments, um, here, um, yeah, multiple times. So, okay. Yeah. No, that's cool. So then, so you, you did touch on it there. How did you come into playing ball hockey competitively? What can you remember when you first started going from playing street hockey with your cousins to kitting up and playing in real life, I guess? Yeah, so I think it started to get more formal um, and women started playing travel tournaments. And at the time, I was actually playing a lot of um, roller hockey tournaments around the U.S. And I was fortunate, actually, to play for um, Team USA's roller hockey team a long time ago. Um, and and I got a taste of that international play, um, which was incredible. Um, there's nothing quite like representing your country um, on you know, in a different country on, on different soil. Right. Um, and, and coming together, um, not only to play sports that you love, but also, um, to represent your country. So I got a little taste of that. Actually, one of the women that I knew from the co-ed league that I played back at home, she was, um, the GM for this newly formed, um, USA, uh, ball hockey team that was going to be going to Germany for the world championships. Uh, I heard about it and she called me and asked me, you know, what do you think? Like, is this something you'd be interested in? Um, and I said, definitely, you know, so we talked about it and, um, there was a, actually an amazing tryout, um, considering as the first ever event, um, you know, organized event, um, going and playing in the ISBHF world championships for women. Um, it was amazing. Just the whole process, um, the coaches, the experience of trying out, um, making the team, having camps, um, coming together as a team. Again, at that point, ball hockey was relatively new, right? Like, so um, you had a lot of different athletes coming in from different sports, um, a lot of moms, a lot of um, beginner players. um, And the coaches did a great job of really making us feel like professionals um, and getting us, you know, all on the same page because it's difficult, especially when, some people are coming from a hockey background. Some people are coming from field hockey, uh, softball. And that's the great thing about ball hockey is that you have athletes really coming from all different sports, especially at the rec level. Um, and, and they can play this sport, right? Like if you love to run, um, then you're probably going to love this sport, especially if you like hockey as well. So that was the great thing about that um, first team is that we came from all, all these different backgrounds to, yeah, to unite as this USA ball hockey program. Um, and, you know, tra- and, and then again, we traveled to Germany and just to experience that, that whole new atmosphere of playing in a foreign country, not really being able to communicate yeah. with people, um, even making bonds with the other teams, right? Because they're all coming there for the first time too, and, and experiencing this all together for the first time. So it was a very special, um, moment, um, just to have that. Um, and then I think for me, it was really something that got me hooked even more so, right? I was definitely into sports and hockey and, and ball hockey. I played ice hockey as well. So, you know, just having um, all that competitiveness, but also just seeing that there's this other level of competition that can be, be, be yeah, played. Definitely. 
And I think that after getting a taste of that, I really wanted more people to have that experience. Like, holy, you know, wow, that was amazing. Um, how can we share this information um, and get more people to play, you know, and have and, and experience what I just experienced? So it was incredible. Um, and I think that that's what's carried me throughout the years, you know, um, playing and, and being a part of the sport. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. Like, as a player, until you play in your, if you're lucky enough to do so, until you play in your first world championship, even if it's like an under 16s tournament, you can't you can't really put it into words, which isn't very good for someone who's hosting a podcast to say, but <laughs> there's just something about it that unless you've been lucky enough to experience it, you can't put it into words. And then at the same time, it does increase that desire to go back so much more. Yes. Yeah. I mean, exactly. Everything that you just said, it is really hard to put into words and, and just explain to someone that feeling that you get. I, the best I can say is there's no other feeling than at the end of, um, you know, your ball hockey game at the world championships. If you win, you get to hear your national anthem being played. And at that yeah. moment, everyone, you know, after competing in, in, in these games, you know, obviously at a world championship level are so tough and so grueling and, and very long and competitive. And after that battle, like there's nothing like that feeling of lining up on the line all together as a team to hear that national anthem. There's just nothing. It's like literally chills. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you can only describe so much of, of what the experience is, but it, and honestly, like I've been privileged enough to obviously be in a few teams none of the teams are the same. Every team is uniquely different. Yeah. Um, and so it doesn't matter if I could explain it all perfectly because the next time it'll be, you know, totally different um, and special. Like every team is different and special. So. Yeah. I think, I think that's a really good point because every team contains different people with completely different stories and the way that ball hockey does bring individuals together into teams even I guess it's especially the case in North America where you're very rarely playing sort of East Coast versus West Coast games. You're playing with people that you've never even played against before. So it's it's almost like complete strangers, I imagine. Whereas obviously yeah. for, for GB, it's like much smaller and we know everyone. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so oftentimes, you know, it's great. I mean, you're definitely um, meeting people for the first time at camps and, you know, coming together. And it's just like the first step of the process, but yeah, we are so spread out here. And I think, you know, that's one of the main goals too, is as far as ball hockey and growth is, you know, if you start seeing the same people over and over again, especially in North America, where, you know, it is so much larger than most of the countries, um, that means that there's no growth. Right. So we want to see new people at camps and, and yeah, honestly, like the, the staffs for um, USA ball hockey right now are doing such a good job of getting the word out about the sport in general. So, yeah. And I think like the social media side of things like the national ball hockey league are going to do a massive job for that because it is just so important to continue growing the game. And there's a lot of people, as we'll come on to later on, including yourself, there's so many people working really hard to continue that growth that hopefully for the next 5, 10, 20 years, we're just constantly going to see 
new players and new powerhouses emerge. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's what you want, right? Um, you always want to, especially at a world championship, um, feel the best team that you can, but that's also finding, you know, the best athletes and, and the more people that are playing, it's going to even push the people that already exist in our community to be better. Right. So we want that. We want that competitiveness, um, you know, and growth and, and having these kids play, but also um, having someone to look up to, I think is really important as well. So as far as the existing teams and, and, you know, what is offered internationally, I think it's really important um, to have that social media presence and to share our stories like you, you have been um, generous enough to do. Uh, because I think it's important for, you know, especially for women and, and girls to see that, oh, there's someone like me that's that's doing these big yeah, things, definitely. you know. And I know when I was younger, we didn't have as much of that. Right. So being an older player and I'm not going to get into my age, but we didn't have as much of that. So we really had to kind of pave that way. Um, and now it's great because we have more women leaders. And I think that that's key to especially on, on the girls side and, and the women's side. Um, to have that growth that that we're looking for. Yeah, I think that's perfectly said. So I won't try, even try to add to that. On a personal level, what have been the highlights of your ISP VHF career? So I know you were most valuable goalie in the 2016 Masters, and then was we also an All Star in 2017. Obviously, being named to ten US national teams, though it's not just those two tournaments. So are you able to touch upon some of your personal highlights? some key games that maybe stand out to you? Yeah, I think, I think my highlights are, are, you know, team, team type highlights, I guess. Um, definitely that first taste, obviously, of the world championship in 2007. Um, it was just incredible to be a part of that first, you know, official world championship type atmosphere. Um, and I'll never forget that. And I think, like I said, that keeps, um, keeps me driven as far as trying, trying to get more people to have that experience that I had. But I think after playing so many games too, um, you know, you're competitive. And I think that, you know, we're always looking for the next one, right? Um, definitely want that pinnacle of uh, the gold that we can all be proud of, right? And and that, just speaking upon that too, is it's that whenever that happens and hopefully it will happen very soon, it's not just that team that has won. I think it's all the other teams that have kind of paved this way. Um, for that yeah, team um, to get to that platform. But I, I would say that um, 2017 was very memorable. We um, had, you know, obviously as the years go by, the teams and the, and the competition are just incredible. I think that um, people take for granted, <laughs> you know, all the work it takes to kind of get to um, those, those kinds of final games. Um, you know, everyone wants their team to win gold, but the, the reality is it's such a grind um, to battle at these world championships and taking yeah. things one game at a time. And I think that um, that 2017 was um, the national team and we were in the Czech Republic and Czech Republic, you know, and, I mean, all these teams, like I said, but they're all incredible and, um, you know, and their programs are all so strong. And I think um, that was definitely one of the highlights is we had to beat Canada um, to get to the gold medal game and we beat oh, wow. them. Um, and, and it was just, yeah, it was just incredible. So not only did we beat them, but then we ended up playing the Czech Republic in, in Czech, you know, in the Czech Republic at the gold medal yeah. game. 
Um, and that was just incredible. Um, it went into overtime and we lost by a goal, but it was the first time that we had um, won a silver medal. So just to come that far, um, it was obviously very memorable. Um, the support that you know we got as women athletes was incredible as well because the stadium was packed. Um, obviously, probably more so cheering, cheering for track, but I know that we definitely had some U.S. fans there supporting us as well. And, and it's just great to be in, in that kind of atmosphere. So I would say that's probably, you know, one of the other highlights that I had, but definitely, um, definitely team highlights for sure. I mean, it took all yeah. of us to get to those games and, and everyone plays a role in every single game. So, yeah, no, that's brilliant to hear. And I think talking about playing in like a packed arena in the Czech Republic, it comes back to how ball hockey can as a, a sport like ball hockey that is relatively small and it is an amateur sport, that amateur side of it just provides sort of normal people with experiences and opportunities that not many other sports can possibly do. And I think playing against the Czech Republic in a gold medal game, even if you did end up losing in overtime, is just an experience that no one, no one ever, I, I don't think when, when anyone ever first picks up a stick, that's not what they imagine. And to have experienced that must have been unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that when we all started this game at some point, you know, we were all just kids literally playing on the street. Um, and then to have these kinds of, um, you know, incredible experiences, you definitely feel like a professional, especially at these ISBHF world events. Um, you know, the way that they host it, um, the arenas being packed, the support um, that each country has for their teams is incredible. Um, I can recall, you know, being just at the last um, world championship in 2019 and, you know, we're all eating breakfast at the hotel and all the highlights are coming on um, on the Slovak news. Oh, yeah, I remember that. And it's our, our game, you know. I mean, that's incredible. It's incredible to just kind of be on that platform for you know, the, the length of the tournament. Um, and, and it's just, it's an honor and it's definitely something that, you know, we're all, uh, super honored and, and it's a privilege to be, uh, being able to compete at that level. So yeah, we're, we definitely, no one takes it for granted. That's for sure. And, and I always tell the younger players too, like just enjoy every single second because it doesn't matter the length of the tournament. It just goes by so quickly. So yeah. just enjoy every single moment that you can. So, yeah, it's definitely amazing. I would say, um, you know, Europeans, um, they love their ball hockey and they're so supportive of their teams. And it's just such a great atmosphere to play in. So having played in like the women's national team, how did you find the transition to the women's masters team and the step up in sort of seniority, but still retaining that competitive edge? Yeah. So the masters team, it's actually, it's, it's obviously so super um, competitive as well. Obviously like our goals are all the same, um, no matter what team that you're on. But I would say that um, as a player, um, the national team, as far as um, actually being at a world championship, there's, there's so much structure to your day, right? So you um, have this routine of, you know, when you get up, you you do team walks, you have team breakfast. It's very structured. Um, 
So just picture, you know, going to this whole tournament um, and, and masters and just competing. And, and the rest is really, really about being together with your teammates. Yeah. Um, that's the best way I can kind of describe the two. So not that um, the national team, um, you know, doesn't enjoy their time. They definitely do, but it's very much more structured um, as yeah. far as, you know, the experience, I think, outside the games. Um, we're the masters, you know, we, we all want to win and we all want to compete. Um, but that happens more so on the floor, uh, versus like the structure of, of the off time. So we were really lucky, um, last time to be in Bermuda. Um, oh, yeah. yeah, I mean, what can I say, <laughs> you know, like being there, um, was incredible. So, um, the atmosphere there was a little more casual when you weren't playing in your games, which was really nice. Yeah. And I think it just makes for, um, a really fun team atmosphere. Some of those girls have put in so, so many years, um, you know, even dating back to 2007, some of these masters players have had played on that team. And so you're talking about years and years of um, putting in the grind and, and um, preparing yourself. Cause again, we're, we're very much separated in the U S um, we don't all get to train together. Um, so it's it's a lot of individual training and, and pushing yourself because you know your teammates are doing that. And so that's a grind, right? That's a grind over time. And um, and we do have camps. Um, we only have a few camps to kind of come together as a team. So it's yeah. it's a lot of individual um accountability, I would say. Um, and so those those women had done that um, you know, throughout the year. So it's nice to kind of come together um at masters and reminisce. <laughs> Um, but also compete because we all, oh my gosh, we're all still addicted to this game. You know, we love it. Truly, truly love the game. Um, and so it's awesome to be able to have this platform to continue to play, you know, and, um, continue to compete. And, and, and again, like for however long the tournament is, you kind of can step aside from your, um, everyday responsibilities. You know, we all have so much more on our plates as adults, yeah. Um, playing the game, but it's nice to step away and just have that time with your team and, and be athletes again. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's incredible because, you know, as an athlete, you never want it to end. <laughs> so yeah. it's, it's awesome to have this opportunity and masters just to continue. Yeah. I think that was brilliant. And with hopefully a master's tournament taking place next summer, it'll be exciting to see sort of some of the biggest names from the, maybe the last era of the ball hockey world competing against each other especially after two summers off with no tournament so that is really exciting uh, and then in 2015 you we've mentioned it a few times already you founded the united women's ball hockey foundation are you able to give a brief overview of the organization and then how it came into being what its main objectives and things are yeah sure so um as you mentioned the united women's ball hockey foundation um we're a nonprofit. And it basically came to be because we realized in 2015 that um, although a bunch of us are playing, we never really had a, an organized community. And I think that that's very important, um, especially for women's sports, um, just because, you know, again, we're, we're kind of playing a, a male sport, right? Uh, hockey is hockey and, and people envision, envision that as a, a male type sport. And I think it was important for all of us to kind of come together and and bring this community together to kind of, um, you know, provide more opportunities. So one of the main things that we wanted to do was, um, you know, again, being fortunate enough to play on the national team, we wanted to provide more coaching for women. 
oftentimes these women are, uh, you know, thrown together um, in rec leagues and things like that. And they just go out there and play. But people don't take this time to actually, you know, coach these women properly or or give them some guidance. And I can tell you, they're so, so eager to learn. Um, and so we were super happy about being able to provide skills clinics. That was one of the main things um, that started as far as um, United Women's Ball Hockey Foundation. We started doing these skills clinics for women. And again, all of our coaches are either uh, current players on the U.S. team or past um, players, current coaches, past coaches. So the level of coaching, you know, is incredible. And for these people to give back to the communities is also incredible. Um, but we saw like, you know, as we started doing those, there was just a hunger for learning and, and oh, can we do more of these? Um, and then I think the other thing that we wanted to do was provide more opportunities. So when we were established, there were no um, women focused tournaments. Um, and okay, that was yeah. one of our goals is we wanted to run um, all women's tournaments. So that was that was like the focus is, hey, you know yeah. what, like. There's all these major tournaments around the U.S., but it's it's always coupled with, um, you know, the men's tournaments. And and we wanted to make the women actually the premier event. Um, so we started out with um, women's and co-ed uh, for a little bit. We did a few tournaments like that. And then now we're exclusively only women, oh, um, brilliant. which is great. Yeah, it's it's been great. Um, over the years, it's definitely grown. Um, we have, you know, A, B, and this year for the first time, we actually had a novice division, okay. meaning that those women had never, ever actually played in a tournament before. So we wanted to give them the tournament experience because, you yeah, know, again, yeah. like these are beginners that are part of our community and it's hard to get into these tournaments, especially with the sport growing so much. It's very competitive. And, and how do you jump into that? Right. All of a sudden. So we actually created a novice division um, and had four teams come um, again. Like these are four teams of women that have never actually experienced this type of, um, you know, level of competition organized. Um, and the other thing we had was a 16 U division. So again, that was okay. the first time that we've ever um, had that in our tournament, but again, it, it's just a whole, you know, so you're talking about, um, four teams in the novice and four teams in the 16 U. So eight new teams to a tournament um, was, it's just, it was incredible. Um, so yeah, we, that's our, I mean, that's our focus basically is we want to provide more opportunities for women to play. Um, and then I think, you know, good and bad things about COVID, obviously no one, we didn't, no one likes COVID, right? I mean, yeah. at the end of the day, um, but we all had to stop playing. And one thing that um, the United Women's Ball Hockey Foundation did, we really felt like to make an impact in our community, we had to be on the ground doing things such as the skills clinics, such as um, kids clinics. Um, we did the tournaments, et cetera. And then um, during COVID, we really realized that it's not just about um, being in person and teaching people. We have such a bigger reach than we than I think we thought. So we actually started doing community learning, um, okay. which was just Zoom classes. And we invited everyone, you know, can join any of these things for free. Um, but we brought expertise in um, to speak upon different, um, with you know, issues that women might face in sports. So strength okay. and conditioning. We yeah. had experts come in. Yeah, we had experts come in on that. We had mental training, you know, mental toughness in the game. Um, we talked about nutrition. 
Um, so we just started bringing in more aspects of the women's game and, and trying to yeah. bring our community together, especially when we couldn't be together. And I think it was great to have this platform so that people could jump in. Um, they could ask questions, especially with these experts. Um, we actually had an Olympian come on um, and talk about her experience playing okay, in the yeah. Olympics. Um, yeah, it's just incredible to be able to bring all these people together. So I think that we realized that we actually had a bigger reach um, than we thought, you know, and, and so yeah. we're hoping to expand upon that. One of the main things that we're doing now is um, we're trying to get an idea of all the women's ball hockey leagues and co-ed leagues in the United States okay, and reach out to those people to get networks going so that, you know, we can communicate with people. The other thing that we're doing is we're, we're creating a community support and development board. And basically what they're going to do is they're going to tackle issues in the women's community. So equality in our game, um, gender equality, especially for people transitioning, we want to make sure that they feel supported and they have a community to still play in. Um, Yeah. yeah, If you want to start a league. Yeah. If you want to start a league, like how do you do that? You know, so we have people that have kind of had different roles, um, in women's ball hockey in general. And we kind of brought them together and we're hoping that we, we can help other people in our community solve problems and, and just make people aware. And, and I think also just to know that there's a whole community of people behind you. I think that that also empowers people to yeah. step up and, and start something new, right. Or do something difficult. And I think like having women leadership is really important. And, and now we're trying to, you know, have that, um, kind of outreach for people so that they know that they have support. I think that's, that sounds absolutely amazing. And it'd be wrong for you not to give a prof shout out to the other founding members. I know oh, uh, your sure. husband and Karen have already come up. Do you just want to give a quick run over of who else is sort of leading the foundation with you? Yeah, definitely. So um, our co-founders are myself, um, Jason Glista, who's been a part of the women's um, community for I can't even remember as long as I can remember. He's also one of the, he was also one of the coaches for Team USA. Um, Karen Levin, who is one of the players for Team USA. Um, And then Sarah Wilson, who was also one of the players for Team USA at the time. And she had um, played at Harvard University, um, played ice hockey there. Okay, brilliant. Yeah, I think like all four of you and everyone else that you sort of have on board working with you are doing such an important job. And it's amazing to sort of hear about the many different levels and facets to the organization so it's amazing to to hear um so what are some of the issues that you've come across for women and girls in the hockey world that you maybe on the face of it wouldn't necessarily think of yeah so one of the things is equity so having the opportunity to play in in women's tournaments right having more tournaments play in and and things like that especially you know our focus, um, although, you know, USA ball hockey is focused on the growth of, of the game overall, our focus is on women's opportunities. Right. And so that's why we're here. And so, you know, how can we help that? How can we provide more, um, learnings, you know, skills clinics. So that's another thing is, is we offer free, you know, skills clinics to your community. So if you reach out to us and you say, Hey, we have this group of women that want to play, but we don't have any coaches. We'll fly out there um, and and provide that for free. Um, and That's all amazing. you have to do is get the rank and yeah, and get the rank and get the players, and and we'll be there um, to help coach. So I think equity is a really big one. Um, again, just 
our sport is amazing, but it definitely, there's growth to be had, um, yeah. just with any kind of sport, um, just, just to make sure that people are thinking inclusively, you know, when putting those things together, as far as events or, or leagues or things like that. And, um, I think having a women's perspective, like we've all been through those hard times when we didn't have a ton of opportunities. So, yeah, I think having this um, nonprofit kind of help through that is, is important. And I, and I just touched upon the next one. So opportunity too, yeah. right? So just, just being able to make sure that besides what we're trying to do um, as an organization, making sure that other um, communities are doing the same. Um, and sharing our knowledge, right? Yeah. So that's just making sure that there's opportunities for women out there. Um, sometimes it's an afterthought. So we're trying to help um, make sure that it's part of the process. Yeah. And then our last one is community. Like I mentioned, there was a point, especially, you know, playing as long as I have, that there was a point where we were going to tournaments. And as much as I love seeing everybody, we were seeing the same people all the time. And that was a bit concerning because that means that there's no growth, right? Yeah. You want to see new faces. Um, and, and so having, you know, this community and bringing in new people in, and, for all of us that have played ball hockey before, we know how it is. As soon as someone comes to the rink and tries our sport, they, they fall in love with it, you know, and it's hard not to love it. Um, and so that, you know, that's an important part of community is just um, women bringing in other women, you know, hey, try this out. Like we, we started playing and it's amazing. And, and that's what we've seen is just this growth um, year over year as far as like our community and and who's a part of it and and that's our goal i think that's that's absolutely brilliant and the growth especially in terms of growth of community because it's not always about winning in tournaments and everything like that ball hockey does provide so much more than just silverware um so i think that's brilliant to hear and it'd be wrong with me being british to not mention uh ball hockey uk's tournament last weekend which was perhaps I'm not sure of the exact number, but it was at least like the fifth women's only draft tournament uh, oh. where sort of you sign up and then you just get drafted to a team and it's always a different theme. Um, and they're really successful events and the women's game over here has grown massively in the last few years. And hopefully it's growing through your hard work in America as well. And then eventually because we've COVID certainly has sort of brought people together in a way that using technology and things that we necessarily didn't make the most of before. So hopefully this is only the start of the women's game growing internationally. And there's a lot of opportunity for networks to continue to grow and develop. Yeah. So I think that that's the biggest thing that you've hit upon is that I don't, I don't think that we realize how big our reach could be. And I think that that is definitely one of our goals in the future. Um, you know, the struggles that women go through here in the U.S. to, you know, get equal playing time or even get floor time, you know, to practice and things like that. Um, I'm sure that, you know, there are struggles in every country. And, um, you know, I want to take the opportunity now to just say, why can't we just come together? And I, I'm hoping that, you know, the United Women's Ball Hockey Foundation will eventually have that reach. Um, you know, we want to provide resources and there's nothing saying that those resources are just isolated to, you know, issues that we see in the U.S. because it's definitely not. And I think coming together, um, you know, as a community, 
um, no matter how small it is too. Um, you know, being part of this much larger community, I think that we can get a lot more done. So we definitely um, are looking to connect, um, you know, more international as well. And we'd love to hear from any of the, those women's teams out there or women's players out there to see how we can better um, be a resource for them and also share the resources that we have right now. Um, like I said, we have so many great people that are already part of this community and contributing. Um, and I'm sure that there's so many in your community. And, you know, as far as ball hockey, we could talk about ball hockey all day. And I'm sure everyone would be, you know, super excited to just yeah. get in a chat and, and talk about, you know, some of the issues that we might be facing. And maybe those are things that we've already figured out so that someone doesn't have to go through that struggle. Yeah. Or maybe that's a problem that we can solve together. And again, um, you know, when one or two people are, are trying to solve problems. Once they have that backing, it's not one or two, two people anymore. It's a whole community. So you're talking about hundreds of women that are there to support each other. Um, I think we could accomplish a lot. So I'm definitely looking forward to, you know, that growth. Um, and I think, you know, also just, just having that, that vision that, that, you know what, like we can do this. We can have this movement um, in ball hockey in general. And it doesn't just have to be, you know, individuals. It can be this community and it doesn't just have to be in the U.S. It can be internationally. I couldn't put it any better myself. Um, and if anyone is interested in finding out more about the United Women's Ball Hockey Foundation, in the description of whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on, we'll get the website, we'll get the Facebook, we'll get absolutely everything. If you want to find out more, do go out and do go and check out their social media pages. And if you're interested in getting in touch with them, I'm sure that if you dropped them a message, they'd, be, they'd get straight back to you and you can just continue <laughs> building this network. That would be amazing. And we definitely would love to hear from all of you. And also, I can't stress this enough too. Um, we want to hear from the women, but we also you know, love the support that the men have uh, shown us over the years as well. So anyone that is interested in helping the women's community, please reach out. I'm sure we can have some great discussions. So sort of coming full circle back to you and your playing career. So you've just been at the Ma Women's Masters evaluations and you're hoping to play for the Masters team next summer. What is your current playing role like? What leagues are you playing in? What's it been like coming back from COVID? And how was the weekend? <laughs> yeah, so I would say um, for the first time ever, I took a break from hockey. I was kind of tossing around the fact um, because here um, where I'm located, everything was really shut down. So our leagues and our, our ranks were shut down. Um, so I kind of took some time to, you know, take some time away from the game. Obviously, um, we were still involved in the nonprofit, but physically um, I wasn't playing. And um, it wasn't until uh, almost more than a year of not playing for the first time ever. I mean, I've been playing sports since I was, I don't know, eight, um, including my soccer days. So I'd never really um, given myself a break um, coming back. So I just started playing again um, this past July. And can I tell you, I didn't realize how in love I am with the sport. Um, yeah. My body had all these ideas of things it wanted to do. It didn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but my heart was very full. Um, and I'm so grateful to be able to come back Um I thought I was going to take some time off and, and potentially retire, but 
um, after, you know, trying the game again and just being a part of it, you know, between the sport itself and the people in it, um, it's just incredible. So it definitely was a piece that was missing that I didn't realize. Um, and so it was amazing to be able to come back. So as far as, as far as the masters, my training isn't quite where it should be (laughs) just because I'm taking this time off and kind of, um, figuring out, you know, where things, um, kind of line up for me. But it was incredible to be a part of this um, evaluation this weekend um, and to compete. um, We had so much new talent, um, new faces, which is, you know, again, something I've talked about earlier. But, um, you know, so many new faces coming out to try uh, try out for Masters. So we'll find out more, you know, as the months go by. But um, it would be incredible again to, you know, for any of these these women to make that team and, and compete at a world level. Um, would be incredible. So we'll sit back and wait and see what happens. Um, but in the meantime, you know, just getting back into form and and continuing to play and and ultimately not really really realizing how much I had missed it. Um, so it's great to be back in net and and you know being a part of the community actively as a player. So you can't say enough about it. Just keep playing until you can't play. <laughs> I mean, if you look at people like George Gortzos. That's always going to be a message, isn't it? Just never stop playing. Natalie um, up in Canada, I mean, she's a phenomenal goalie and she's one of the older players and she just continues to represent, um, you know, at a top level. And, you know, for me, I look up to players like that as well, you know, like just keep going. I mean, she's a phenomenal athlete at an international stage. So it's great to have those people to look up to and um, yeah, and to, to keep pushing ourselves to be better. Yeah, that's brilliant. So you're also director of the USA Ball Hockey Women's National Teams. Uh, what does that role entail? What teams are you sort of focusing on? Obviously, you don't have to give us any sort of secret information as to the selection processes, <laughs> but what's that role looking like now with what will hopefully be a very, very busy summer in 2022? Yeah, so as far as the director for USA Ball Hockey, um, definitely, I'm in charge of the women's um, national teams, and that just basically it's someone to kind of unite the programs. Um, so having played um, on the national team and having played in the masters team, um, and now with our you know newly somewhat newly formed U20 group, my goal is to basically make sure that there's some cohesion there between the programs. So you know, obviously they compete at different times and they have different staffs, but what I'd like to do is um, just have these staffs communicate so that as players develop and as they continue to, you know, progress in their career, they can continue on with the program. So we'd love to see, you know, our U16, which are like our future stars type programs, continue to U20s, continue to the national team, and then continue to masters. And I think in the past, you know, we've had those teams, but it's really nice to um, kind of just make sure everyone's on the same page. And yeah, we're yeah. also really mindful of the women's issues that, you know, maybe sometimes don't get thought about. Right. So um, it's, it's nice to bring that perspective to the table and share that. And honestly, we've had so much success, um, on, you know, in these past 10 years. Um, and we just want to continue that success and make sure like there's cohesiveness amongst the programs. So that's really my job um, is just basically, you know, talking to everyone um, in the women's program in general and and just making sure that we are continuing to be a united, strong program. 
and I'm so proud of, you know, everything. I mean, I know we've probably mentioned this uh, before, but, you know, we're all volunteers, everyone volunteers, and it's incredible how much um, people are willing to help each other. Um, even, even this past weekend at the master's evaluations, you know, everyone's a volunteer and everyone's setting aside time to, you know, share their knowledge. And, um, it's, it's awesome to see all of that come together. And I'm sure it's the same for all of the national programs, you know, with each of the different countries. So in this role, I get to see, um, a little bit of more behind the scenes and, and really just trying to support all of these programs as best I can, you know, just to make sure that, they have everything they need. And, and each of these players at the end of the day feels like a professional ball hockey player. So that's yeah. my goal. No, I think that's absolutely brilliant. And hopefully all of your hard work will be reflected in the summer and we'll get a full slate of tournaments with lots of good hockey going on. So if there's one thing, whether it be related to the United Women's Ball Hockey Federation or Team USA or just your playing career in general, if there's one message that you want to put across to anyone who might be listening to this episode, what would you like it to be? That's a really tough one, but I would just say, um, I think United, we can do anything. Um, and just, and just not to see those, any barriers. There's really no barriers. We can accomplish so much together. Um, and I've seen it, you know, with my playing days and I've also seen it so much with the United Women's Ball Hockey Foundation. So I think for any, um, anyone that's interested, interested in trying the sport for the first time to all the way up to, you know, being a national team member. Um, I think United, we can accomplish anything. So I'm looking forward to meeting new people um, as a result of this podcast and having them be a part of our community and growing. So I'm really excited. That's absolutely brilliant. Like I said earlier, any information about the United Women's Ball Hockey Foundation will be in the descriptions below. We'll get it blasted all over social media as well. Thank you, Alessandra, for joining me. And thank you to everyone who's listened to this episode. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Floating Blue Podcast, hosted by myself, Ben Royal, and produced by Sambrook Wilkinson. If you've enjoyed listening to this episode of the Floating Blue, then be sure to subscribe on your favourite podcast streaming platform. You can find more content from the ISBHF across all of our social media platforms. On Facebook, you can find us at ISBHF, International Street and Ball Hockey Federation. On Instagram, at ISBHF. On Twitter, at Official ISBHF. And on our website, isbhf.com. So until next time, thank you very much for joining us on the Floating Blue Podcast. Podcast.